Welcome to Coffee with Kupke, a production of St. Paul Inside the Walls. Here on Coffee with Kupke, we grab a cup of coffee, at least we're claiming this is coffee. We sit with Monsignor Kupke, Raymond Kupke, the pastor of St. Anthony's in Hawthorne, professor at Immaculate Conception Seminary, diocesan archivist. We sit with Monsignor Kupke to delve into the history of Catholicism in the Diocese of Patterson. My name is Father Paul Manning. I am the vicar for evangelization for the Diocese of Patterson. And here I am with Monsignor Kupke. So grab your cup of coffee and let's jump right in. I'm going to take a sip. So if I were going to uh, entitle this first episode, I would entitle it Origins, and I'm going to explain why. Um, I, we want to talk about a couple of things. We want to talk about our origins mm-hmm. in the diocese, and we also want to talk about the origin of Catholicism in the three counties of our diocese. So here's how I'm going to uh, uh, open up the topic Raymond, you know that I grew up in rural Ironia, part of Randolph Township, Morris County. That's Ironia, not Hibernia. And I feel like uh, growing up in Ironia, uh, being born in 1958, that I lived uh, with one foot in two centuries, right? Ironia was still uh, in large measure undeveloped. I had a grandmother who was born in the 19th century who lived right next door. I lived among a generation that would last until the 21st century. And even now I have great nieces and nephews who are going to live well into the 22nd century. So uh, my experience of the diocese, uh, at least um, in the first couple decades of my life, uh, was the experience of of growing up in in two different centuries in a sense? I'm just curious about your origins in the diocese and and your take on on the church uh, at that time in your childhood. It's funny you should mention that because as a freshman at Morris Catholic High School in Denville in 1961, uh, the girl who sat next to me in homeroom was from Ironia. You're kidding me. And I can remember saying to her, where are you from? And she told me, and I had no earthly idea where Ironia was. Well, uh, is it fair to ask her name? Uh, Pat Delane. Delane? Yeah. Okay. And she was connected to St. Mary's in Dover. Went to grammar school there, but you know that's where her family was connected to. I know yours was uh, with St. Lawrence in Chester. Yeah, actually, initially, I think my oldest sister was baptized at St. Mary's in Dover, but, yeah. but then uh, we, we uh, moved to St. Lawrence. But you, you grew up where? Uh, my family moved to Persephone in 1957. And at that point, Persephone was nothing like what you and I remember from ministry at St. Peter's. Uh, when I moved to Persephone... My next-door neighbors had two sons, and the older boy was in the last Persephone class to be graduating from Booton High School. Okay. Wow. So yeah. it was a much different world then. Um, I was a member of St. Christopher's, which at that point was still technically a mission 
of Notre Dame and Cedar Knowles. Oh, my goodness. I can't imagine that. St. Christopher's as a mission parish. Yeah. yeah. And St. Peter's was there as well. St. Yeah. Peter's was the other side of Precipitate, yeah. right? the other side of Route 46. So um, what about your your uh, take on the, the church in that era, right? Because I, I think in some ways— uh, the first part of my life, the church was still in the 1950s, right? And right. then we had the the uh, uh, church changing, life changing event, the Vatican II. So, your take on the on the church at that time in our diocese? It was very much a building church. Um, it was a, an era when the diocese was growing rapidly, and new parishes were being founded, and there was a lot of construction. So, you know, it was very much a brick-and-mortar period, mm. you know. Mm. Um, for example, our fourth bishop, Bishop Nava, his first Sunday as bishop, they brought him out to Chester, mm. and he blessed the new church and confirmed. They gave him lunch. Then they took him to Schoolies Mountain, and he blessed the new church and confirmed. You know, our bishops today have no experience like that. Yeah. Um, now, uh, so Bishop Nava? Bishop Nava. Well, that, was, that would have been 1964. 19- yeah, okay. Yeah. Got yeah. it. Well, I want to talk uh, about the origins of Catholicism in our diocese. So I want to mention, I hope you know, that Monsignor Kupke is the author of this large tome, called Living Stones, which uh, is not just the history of the Diocese of Patterson, but the history of Catholicism in the region of the Diocese of Patterson. And um, Monsignor Kupke, why don't you tell us what occasioned the book? I was called in by the bishop and Bishop Bishop Rodimer. Okay. Bishop Rodimer was a native of the diocese. I believe he was a Rockawegian, was he not? Yes, right. from Rockaway. Right. His father was the postmaster in Rockaway. I did not know that. And um, so he had a lifelong connection with the diocese uh, and very much interested in, in history. And uh, so he he kind of suspected that I did for a variety of reasons. So... He kind of uh, said, you're going to write a history for the 50th anniversary of the diocese. And he, he sent me away to Catholic University to get a master's degree in church history in preparation for that. Okay. So I, I kind of knew I had this task, ahead, this of task ahead of me, and he gave me the time to do it as well. Yeah. Um, now, Bishop Rodimer's family uh, was from the further west, right? Right. He has relatives in Hibernia and also as far west as Branchville. Okay. Um, Hibernia, not Ironia. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He um, he would always joke about his own family because of his eight great-grandparents, only one was Catholic. There's, you know, there's no way he should be a Catholic bishop of, of Patterson, but his mother's mother's mother— was an Irish Catholic girl, and, and we she know, held we on. Know, to, yep. Yeah, we know how those Irish Catholics exactly. are. Exactly. Yeah, she won yeah. the day. Yeah. Now, Raymond, you're going to be—sorry, uh, Father Ray. You're going to be embarrassed by this question probably, but I remember uh, decades ago asking you if you had a photographic memory. Do you remember me asking you that? 
No, so that shoots the photographic memory part. <laughs> That's true. But I remember asking you this, and you responded. Do you, do you, you don't remember how you responded, but do, do you, you have a, certainly a memory for uh, historical facts. Yeah, not always dates, but facts, yes. And, um, and then you make them up if you don't. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. But also, I, I've just always had a, a, a good memory for details. I can remember, you know, small details that pull in a whole story from yeah. back when. Well, when I asked you this decades ago, you responded saying, I, I don't exactly have a photographic memory, but I do see certain things on a page. Yeah. So you can uh, recite by memory the the parishes of our diocese, correct? Annunciation, Wayne, Assumption, Marstown, Blessed Sacrament, Patterson, sure. <laughs> okay, that's pretty amazing. And also uh, some American historical figures. I don't know if you still do it, but uh, with young people, you used to be able to recite uh, uh, president, vice president, secretary. Yeah, yeah I can do that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's pretty much photographic in my mind. So I'm good at lists. Yeah, okay. Do you see the see the page? Yeah. Interesting. Wow. I try to remember my homilies that way and it doesn't work so well. <laughs> so uh, I I want to um go to the first chapter mm-hmm. which begins in mid 1700s uh in the geographical region that is our diocese and you entitle that chapter Quiet Awakening. Yes. Tell me why. Well, there was a lot going on in the mid-1700s. This is when uh, the United States is beginning to emerge, you know, as a On the country. global stage, in a Right, sense, we're yeah. beginning to appear. And quietly in the midst of that, Catholicism was beginning to make an appearance very tentatively at first in northwestern New Jersey. Um, we can date it really to about 1764 when several boatloads of German ironworkers came to work in a new New Jersey iron mining company in what is today like Ringwood, West Milford, uh, Vernon Township. Yeah. Uh, there was a, a nascent iron mining industry up there. So these people came from southwestern Germany, uh, yeah, southwestern Germany, the Saarland region. And basically the iron mining industry was collapsing in their home region. And so, so, I, 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 so they I, came. I should know, but is, is that part of Germany predominantly Catholic? Yes, right. Would that be the area where Pope Benedict came from? Or? No, no. Benedict comes from Bavaria. Okay, sorry. I knew that. I knew that. But I don't know my German geography very well. It's kind of interesting because those families have been here so long, you know, two and a half centuries now, that they had lost connection to where exactly they had come from. Um, they knew they were German and they knew when they came over, but the families had lost the actual connection about what part of Germany they had come from. Now, wh- which families are you talking about? The is- families up in what is now St. Joseph's Parish in West Milford. Oh, so you mean the current families had lost the current, touch with us? Yeah. Got it. 
but like a hundred years ago, they had already lost okay. the connection. And um, there have been several, you know, genealogical researchers within the families who have been hunting for this for years, trying to f- make the connection back to Europe. But we actually made the connection about 30 years ago, but in the opposite direction. Somebody over there looking? German researchers doing historical research on the collapse of the German iron mining industry. Okay. And they began to wonder where these people had ever gone. So somehow one of the researchers was put in contact with my book. Okay. Because somebody else over there said, you know, this guy wrote a church history, but there's a lot of material about 1,700 miners. Okay, so— So he got he got a hold of the book and yeah. started reading the first chapter and realized that these are the names of the families that he was looking for. Wow. So he began matching back and forth and realized that— this is this is his missing tribe of yeah, German iron wow. workers. So, so the, the collapse uh, of the of the iron industry in Germany was around what what time? Seventeen sixties, seventeen fifties. Okay, got it. And so, this is amazing. I I've never really thought about or heard of the the German origins of Catholicism in our diocese. The Irish get a lot of credit. Right? Yes, they were there. Okay, so and so, a few French. Okay, so we're in 1764. Right, uh, Catholicism is quietly awakening. Right, and somehow they make contact with the closest priest who is in Philadelphia. Uh, what is today Old Saint Joseph's Church, which would be about two blocks behind Independence Hall in downtown Philly. So this is a parish staffed by ex-Jesuits. The Jesuits had just been been suppressed. suppressed. Yes. So at some point, we probably ought to figure out a way to let people ask questions because that would be an interesting digression. But let's stay where we are now. Hello, this is Bishop Kevin Sweeney of the Diocese of Patterson, and I have a new podcast called Beyond the Beacon. One of the things I love about this podcast is that I get to interview Catholics of different ages and backgrounds and learn what inspires them to live a life of faith, hope, and love. Join me on Thursdays for Beyond the Beacon, wherever you find your favorite podcasts, or watch it on my YouTube channel. Click the link in the description to learn more. Thank you, and God bless you. So the the basically English Jesuits working in the Maryland colony had spread into Pennsylvania. Okay. Because William Penn, in getting his colonial charter, had a reference put in the charter of freedom of worship to all Christians. Most of the colonial charters excluded papists. Okay. Us from yeah. That. Yeah. But Penn was conscious of protecting his own group, the Quakers. Okay. So he got this more liberal charter. So 
The Jesuit William Penn. Yeah. yeah. The Jesuit priests in Maryland saw that and immediately moved in. Sent his old guy up to Philadelphia, which at that point was the largest city of the colonies. And I think it was actually the second largest city in the British Empire at that point. English speaking wow. city anyway. Wow. So, you know, they established a church in Pennsylvania. And it's still there, old St. Joseph's. The Jesuits still maintain it today. Um, so somehow our, our Germans up in North Jersey, our iron miners, somehow connected to one of the priests in Philadelphia. There were two there, an English-speaking and a German-speaking. And I think uh, I know the name of one of them. I think this is what we're getting to, and mm-hmm. it's a name that we should know, right? right. In Catholic American Catholic history, and certainly in New Jersey history. So Ferdinand Farmer, um, the the Jesuits in Maryland wrote to their superior in Rome to ask the German province to send over two guys because they were experiencing a German influx. You know what we would call today the Pennsylvania Dutch. Okay, are really. Pennsylvania Deutsch, Pennsylvania Germans. Germans. Yeah, you know we think of most of them as Anabaptists. You know the the, the Lancaster Pennsylvania okay. Dutch, but some of them were Catholic. I did not know this. Wow. So they needed a German speaking priest in Philadelphia. So the German province sends over two priests, and on the ship coming over. Uh oh. They decide to anglicize their names. Okay. I was wondering, because Farmer didn't sound German to me. So So, uh, Ferdinand Steinmeier decides to become Ferdinand Farmer. Now, Steinmeier means? Well, there is some indication that Farmer is actually a translation of Steinmeier. Mm. Uh, The Meyer of a Stein would be like the overseer of an estate. Got it. So. Okay. He'd be farmer. Okay. So he winds up in Philadelphia. And um, and who was the other guy? The other guy is Matthias Sittenschberger. Who uh, becomes... A, a, a reclining uh, a patty of meat. <laughs> Something like Sorry, that. Sorry, that was bad. That was bad. So he becomes Father Manners. Manners? Manners. Oh. Any uh, relation to Miss Manners? No. Okay. None whatsoever. Now, I, I want to mention at this point, your name is German. Yes. It is, yeah. And I'm just wondering, is there any you know, Catholic connection to this region that you're talking about? Or, you know? None. Okay. None whatsoever. Okay. Now, this, these uh, iron miners came from the Saarland region, which yeah. is southwestern Germany. Okay. We actually now know exactly which valley they came from, thanks to the researchers on the German side. Um, so I'm, I'm imagining you had uh, uh, conversations. You, you were the link in many ways. Well, that my book was. They, okay. they picked this up. They looked at my book, and you know, I mentioned several of the families by name, and they, they quickly said, "We know those names." Yeah. You know, and then they began matching it to a farmer's baptismal register, which has been published. Okay, so so can you paint this picture? We have these uh, German Catholics. D- does somebody travel down there to to meet with him, or how does this happen? They say that when you die, you get to ask God three questions. Okay, and this is one of my three questions. Wow, wow. Oh, who made the the connection? Yeah. My suspicion is 
that there may have been relatives in West Milford that were related to Germans in Philadelphia. Okay. And that somehow that was the connection. And so does Farmer decide he's, he's got to exercise uh, a mission? or Farmer is the most zealous evangelical character I've ever come across. <laughs> he's like uh, Francis Xavier. Wow. You know, he just had a natural bent to evangelization. So when he finds out about these people, uh, he just gets on his horse and goes up there. Hmm. Um, and farm Farmer is a, um, he's an archivist's delight. Because? Because he kept perfect records. Yeah. You know, his sacramental records, which are still extant today, um, they are perfectly legible, unlike some of our contemporaries. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. you look in some of our sacramental registers today and you can barely re read the yeah. handwriting. But yeah. Farmer had perfect handwriting and provides all the information. So we, we know exactly where he went on what days. You know, you can follow him on horseback. Mm. from Philadelphia to North Jersey based on the places he mentions. You know, he came up the Pennsylvania side of the Delaware River, Got it. crossed over at Phillipsburg. Yeah. You know, we know this because he mentions it. Yeah. And then came basically up route, uh, I forget what it is, 517 or whatever, yeah. the one that goes through Change Water up to Hackettstown and then up into the Iron Mine okay. country. Now, would there... I guess there was a bridge at Phillipsburg. I mean, or a ferry, probably. Yeah. Oh, a ferry. Yeah. How old was Farmer at this time? Farmer would have been in his forties at okay. that point. Let's leave it there. I want all of you who are listening or watching to make sure that you keep an eye out or an ear out for the next episode of Coffee with Cupkey. In order to stay on top of new releases. Make sure you follow or subscribe wherever you're listening. And if you are on YouTube, please do drop a like and hit the bell for notifications. While you're at it, make sure to check out the other shows produced by the diocese. Those shows are Beyond the Beacon, hosted by Bishop Kevin Sweeney and Jay Agnish, our Director of Communications, and the Paul Street Journal hosted by Brian Hansberger and Freddie Garcia. I want to give a special thanks to Joe Genexi, our sound and visual engineer, Caitlin Ferrari, who's involved in pre- and post-production, and Freddie Garcia, who's helping out with this podcast in addition to doing his own. With all that said, I just want to thank you for joining us in uh, Coffee with Cupkey. Keep making Catholic history in the Diocese of Patterson. <laughs>